Mike here and welcome back to Driving Theology. It's a, a cold, drizzly December morning. I think it's about December 11th, maybe. Uh, here in Japan and I'm on my way to work and you guys are uh, here along with me. Thanks for joining. Uh, I wanted to, today to uh, start a little bit later so I can, <laughs> number one, warm up the car without being too noisy. And number two, which I'll probably continue to do, is sip on this delicious cup of coffee I have accompanying me today. Um, as you may or may not know, I've been uh, roasting coffee <clears throat> the last six months or so for our little cafe and learning on the job. Um, and uh, it's a very difficult, interesting, highly nuanced process. It's very complex. Uh, and I'm not by nature a super complex thinker. Uh, I tend to I tend to think outside in. Um, and something's flopping around the back of my car. It's not a toyga. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I, I'm not a terribly complex kind of thinker. I tend to, to guesstimate and wing things more than anything. Uh, but it's, uh, it's been an interesting process. It's really pushing me to my limits. And today I've got a uh, Yemen bean, uh, Mocha Matari Classic, uh, which is from the country of Yemen, uh, which is one of two countries to claim to the origin of coffee, as I understand it. Uh, regardless of who, Ethiopia or Yemen is actually uh, the discovering nation of coffee. Uh, most coffee that made it to the West came through the ports of Yemen and were grown in Yemen. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, I wanted to take a few sips before I talk to you, and I'm going to take another sip right now. Mm. Mm. It's pretty good coffee. Uh, and it's raining today, so there's going to be a little extra uh, rain noise and our wiper or wiper noise I'll try to keep it on intermittent as long as I can just to um, just to minimize the noise uh, but yeah here we are in, in uh, <clears throat> depending on how you do it you may have passed the second week of Advent which we did last week was uh, peace the first week was uh, hope and then this week depending on on who you ask, it's either love or joy. And I've heard joy first and love last because love is, you know, the greatest of these is love, blah, blah, blah. But I think I like love to be in the third place because, you know, actually think about it, love is in the first, second, third, fourth, and every place uh, when it comes to uh, what does the birth of Christ mean to us and, and what, you know, what was God accomplishing through that uh, act. Love really has to permeate all of it. Um, so I wanted to look at one specific aspect of love today uh, in the in the Christmas story. Um, and so God sends Himself to Earth to be born uh, in a, in a human body by a human mother, uh, in a human mother, uh, Mary. Um, And so how does, how does the love of God fit into all of this? 
Well, as you know, the, the story of redemption, some people call it the story of atonement, some people call it the story of salvation, the gospel, uh, the, the plan begins in earnest. Uh, it starts to become executed, not just planned, with the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Uh, and <clears throat> that plan, of course, of, of course, uh, culminates in uh, at the cross, right? It culminates at the cross. So between the birth and the cross, uh, we have a story of a God who uh, loves man. And so, how how can we go deeper into? Um, and receive more of the specific love uh, that God meant for us to have through uh, Jesus' life on earth. I'll think about that for a second while I sit in my coffee. What I've said many times before um, and I'll just say it again. Uh, I think, I think you will have reached maturity in Christ when you understand in a profound way that God is love and only love. Okay. I already said recently that God has no but. Uh, in fact. Uh, I'm pretty sure I was listening to a podcast uh, by Greg Boyd, uh, author and pastor, Greg Boyd. Uh, he said, God has no but. In other words, God is love. A lot of people say God is love. Yes, of course, God is love, but he's also justice. Or, you know, God is love, but he's also holy. And so what they're trying to do is, is uh, rectify... Uh, or reconcile in their own minds the seemingly um, opposite personality traits that we see portrayed uh, in the Old Testament uh, of God, or, or the personality traits that we see given uh, attributed to God in the Old Testament. Uh, so, yes, God is love. He, he called his people out of Israel. He saved them from, from slavery. Uh, but God is just. He put them in slavery again in Babylon. Uh, God is love. He, he built his, his temple amongst them. Uh, he tabernacled with them. But God is, God is holy. When the nation became too, too corrupt, he left. Right? And all of this is, is predicated upon... Predicated may be the wrong word. It, it assumes that God is making the one making these choices. What Greg Boyd and others have come along and said was, well, maybe, maybe it's us who made those choices. Maybe it's mankind who made those choices. Um, one instance, one instance is, for example, when God made His dwelling amongst them in in first, uh, uh, well, the burning bush and then the cloud and the fire. Uh, and then the tabernacle, and later the temple, um, when he made his dwelling amongst them. Uh, 
usually uh, the people were strongest when they were listening to his word. And so we assume when they stopped worshiping him and started worshiping idols and disobeying him, uh, that somehow God punished them uh, for their disobedience. And therefore they lost battles, were taken into exile, kings were killed in battle, for example. Things like this. Um, <clears throat> well, Greg Boyd comes along and says, well, God shows, an, he has an accommodating character all through scripture. He accommodates where the people are in order to keep his presence with them and bring them to a better place. Right? He meets them where they are and tries to lead them to a better understanding of himself. Uh, and so a lot of what Israel received for their quote-unquote disobedience were the natural consequences of the actions that they took. Right? Uh, they, they, they were consequences that that were called the wrath of God, but actually contained in them uh, basically natural consequences for poor decisions. Uh, and we know that that's you know that's true. If we if we invest our money in a risky business, uh, the chances of losing that money are great, right? Um, it's a poor decision. You make a poor decision, you you may get burned by it. In fact, poor decisions have a very high rate of failure. Uh, and so, when Jesus, for example, withdrew his his presence from the temple and, and there, thereby from the people of Israel, um, which basically initiated the 400 or 490 years of exile and the silence of God. <clears throat> um, People have said, well, that you know, that's God punishing them because He's holy; He cannot be with them uh, because they're they're too sinful. Well, the fact is, they were always sinful. Sin was sin always existed. God chose to uh, put up with it because He found enough enough hope or enough faith in the people to to assume that He was still wanted. Uh, but I think there there was a time. When, when things got so bad uh, that God withdrew his presence simply because the people, he knew the people wouldn't even notice. They did not want him to be there. They did not want to follow him. They did not want him. They rejected him. And it wasn't the first time. Israel rejected God when they, when they asked Samuel to give them a king. They didn't want God as their king. They wanted a another king, right? Uh, and they rejected God over and over and over, even though they kept promising uh, that they would come back to him. Uh, they failed over and over and over. And I think I talked about this last week, so I'm not going to get into it too much. But the assumption was that God is both love and just. God is love, but he's also holy. Therefore, God must punish, right? Where actually I think God accommodates where we are and allows us to get what we want 
thereby uh, ushering in the natural consequences of our choices, uh, which God accommodates, right? He's accommodating through all this. Like, I'm going to give you what what you want because I believe you. You know, you you have that, that giving you free will is important for your development, right? And I think I think all good parents do this as well. We allow our kids to make make decisions on their own so that they can learn how to make better decisions in the future, right? Sort of like the, the analogy of a, a parent teaching the child to ride a bike. A lot of times, uh, you know, the, you've got your hand on the bike or even on the kid, and as they start riding, uh, you, you need to let them go. And if you don't let them go, they'll never find the confidence to keep the balance of the bike. If you continue to hold them, or if you continue to allow training wheels on the bike, to stay on the bike, they will never learn to ride the bike. And so, withdrawing uh, and allowing people to make their own mistakes, but also learning, uh, allowing them to learn to be more independent and to stand on their own two feet, or ride on their own two wheels, if you will, uh, is is important, right? It's it's, it's what parenting is all about. <clears throat> and so Jesus is born as a, as a baby on earth. Uh, and suddenly God's presence returns to Israel. But not in a way they thought. It didn't come back to the temple, right? Uh, he never became a uh, political ruler. He never became a military commander and hero who would vanquish the Romans and reestablish uh, the nation of Israel on earth. Uh, he never did any of those things. Uh, and he came during a, quite a sinful time, I, I think we would agree. It's not that God came when Israel was less in sin. But there were some people, right? There were uh, certain people who are recorded in the first chapters of uh, Matthew and or Luke. There were people who were waiting for and anticipating uh, in in a good way, like in a favorable way, maybe more favorable than, than the normal person. Do you remember who these were? Probably mentioned them last week. I'm probably rehashing some of this. Of course, it was uh, the Magi, right? Also known as the wise men. <coughs> Uh, and it was also, I'm going to get this wrong again. Uh, I think it was Ananias uh, and uh, Anna, or Anna, uh, who were in the temple, who saw Jesus. There were people who were calling out to the Lord uh, for salvation and were, were looking forward to the salvation of the Lord and believed that they would see the salvation of the Lord and knew when they saw this child, this, this child or baby, that he was the salvation of the Lord. Um, and so I think I think God felt the invitation to again return to dwell with his people. Uh, and he felt the timing was right uh, to to initiate his his final solution uh, in a good way. I know final solution has a bad connotation. <laughs> 
uh, in rela relation to the oppression and genocide of the Jews by the Nazis. Um, I think that's what it was called. Um, so, <clears throat> so it's not that God came back at a holier time, right? It's that God came back at a time, I think, when he felt both the need to be greatest and the invitation to be strongest. Um, and I think that's an important thing for him to be invited, uh, to be, to be requested, to be, um, desired. Uh, I think that's important because he knows that, 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 um, and I think he'll always honor that by the way. Uh, I think your desire for him to come alongside you, uh, I think he'll always honor it. Uh, because that's where he longs to be. He longs to be beside us and with us. I feel like I'm getting off track and rehashing some of the stuff I said last week. So, so love, right? Uh, When you understand that what we see, the beginning of at the birth and the culmination of at the death is love and only love, that God loves his people completely and nothing else. He doesn't require them to be holy. God loves his people and nothing else. He doesn't require them to be subjected to uh, punishment or justice that God forgives and nothing else that's when you understand the love of God that God requires nothing of you and wants you to receive all of his love and nothing else he doesn't require you to submit to a certain code uh, he doesn't require you to be born of a certain race or a certain gender uh, he doesn't or, or a certain sexual preference right uh, sexual preference is not the right word but I think you know what I'm trying to say um, he doesn't require you uh, to be or to do anything but instead gives you freely his love and want you to know that you are saved, that his salvation is there for you, and all you need to do, again, is accept it. It doesn't mean necessarily here and now. It means when it's offered to you, and you see it as such, right? I, I, think, I think a lot of times when Jesus is offered to people, it's in such a it's, it's in a bag with, with so much extra baggage that Jesus is unrecognizable in there. That his love is unrecognizable. Let me give you an example. God's love is free for you. So, what you have to do to receive it uh, is go to X number of Bible studies with this teacher. And you should then uh, make a statement of faith and then you should then be baptized uh, by immersion 
and then you should also uh, join in the local church, become a member. Uh, you should pay 10% of your income and you should serve in whatever way you're asked to serve uh, and live a good life, right? And, and that's on the low end. I think that's a normal package. I don't think that's unreasonable. <clears throat> I think until uh, all of those things are done, a lot of a lot of churches would say, "Well, you know, you're not you're not quite saved yet. You know, you're gonna have to do all of those things. Those things are just, you know, that's just what you have to do." And so, oftentimes, Jesus is is not wrapped in swaddling clothes, uh, but is covered uh, by layer upon layer of duty and obligation uh, that he is unrecognizable and to re reject that Jesus I think is understandable it's understandable right I get it um, and so I think I think number one the true Jesus has not often been offered um, by me and by a lot of people. We have not offered the true Jesus, the, the unfettered, uncorrupted, uh, pure incarnation of God in human form. We've not offered Jesus. We'd offered, we've offered more than, more often than not church is what we've offered. We've offered a club, we've offered a community, we've offered a family. Sometimes we offer daycare, babysitting, uh, <clears throat> uh, we offer education. Uh, all these things, none of these things are, are bad in and of themselves. But that's not, that's not Jesus. We need to offer Jesus and only Jesus. And so I think when you when you understand the love that comes down at Christmas, uh, I, th I think you've you've gotten there. When you understand that God is love and nothing else, and that God loves you and requires nothing from you, that you are saved because of, of what he has done for you in the cross right in other words he he has he has taken the 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 all of your cross all of your sins and nailed them to the cross right he has received the punishment for all of those sins by being sinless himself and being nailed to the when you understand that, then you're understanding the love of Christmas. You're understanding the love of Jesus, the love of Christ. And may the love of Christ richly, richly dwell in you. Right? So a lot of these things, a lot of these requirements uh, or obligations that often come with uh, the traditional uh, initiation into a church 
they're things that we start putting the cart before the horse is what we do right uh, to understand the love of Christ fully is to be changed and to be forever changed and to be a changing person a person who from that day forward because of the love you've received you will be transformed into the likeness of Christ you will you cannot help but you cannot stop it the only way you can stop it is to deny that love but once you've grasped that love and believe that that love is as true and free as Jesus says it is you cannot help but be changed but you're not required to change to receive that love any of it ever nothing and so this Christmas and this Advent season as we've gone from hope to peace to love I hope that we can really focus on uh, just how complete that love is you know there are very few things out there in life that are pure um, we call them pure but very rarely are there are they pure for example you know 100% pure orange juice well okay maybe maybe there is pure orange juice in there but oftentimes there's other stuff you know there's environmental stuff um, there's things that the farmer does to the orange uh, and maybe there's things that um, dishonestly they do to, to the orange juice to make it taste better or to get us hooked on it. Right? Pureness is not something that really exists in this world. Pure water, for example, we try to purify our water to get it as pure as possible. Um, but I don't know anything to be pure pure oxygen yeah maybe there's a process by which we can um, purify the air to the point where nothing is left but oxygen is possible I suppose but these are processes we have to do because the world is just a it's a corrupt place it's corrupt um, <clears throat> in matter and it's uh, corrupt uh, in its ide ideology and ideas there's just a lot of corruption in the world and so it's difficult for us it's very difficult for us to accept pure love it's not an easy thing it's not easy at all because all the love that we share with each other everything that we call love always has strings attached right um, love you that's why I'm hard on you how many times have we said this or because I love you I punish you right uh, these are things we say and and yes you can find scriptures to to back that up but you can find a scripture to back up anything so uh, and if you know me you understand that I don't any longer read scripture that way anyway um, I think all scripture has to be has to submit uh, to the character of God as found in Jesus. Um, 
and therefore uh, it's been said like this as well that you know the scripture the scriptures are both baby and bathwater and and you have to you have to know the difference between the two right part of discerning the scriptures is knowing which is bathwater which is baby and that doesn't mean bathwater isn't uh, uh, isn't uh, valuable there's there's value in knowing misconceptions about God knowing how other people have misconceived God uh, allows us to see how we misconceive God right? I think there's still value there uh, and I still believe the Bible would be a great book so it's probably getting a little loud here because I'm in a little faster area of the uh, of the road but uh, so as we as we go into whether you're doing love or joy whatever uh, I think I think the joy follows love, and that's why I like to do it this way. Um, as you read the Christmas story, look look for the look for the little the little hints of of Jesus's love purely offered, right? Uh, which basically means Jesus purely offered, because Jesus is love, right? Um, look look for those those beautiful parts of scripture that, you know, where that's the case. Um, and then, you know, how you, what you do after grasping Jesus's pure love uh, will be Jesus working through you. You know, that's something that uh, you don't really need to worry about that part. Just, just really until you, until you focus on God's love what you do uh, is not very significant. But after you grasp, truly grasp his love and truly grasp the character of God as found in Jesus, um, then you can't help but do good things. It doesn't mean you may not have relapses. And at those times, you need to be reminded of God's everlasting love for you. Um, but focusing on the actions, trying to make your life match who, who you think uh, society or religion or church or your parents or your pastor, trying to just be the person you're supposed to be without understanding the love of Christ is just a it's an exercise in futility. You may win a few battles, but you'll never win the war. Just focus on his love. Focus on the love of Jesus, which came down to earth, and which died for you on the cross. That God is a God of love, and nothing else.